Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, uh, Made in America used to be um, a, a, a symbol of pride. More and more, it seems uh, we're losing that. However, we have with us today uh, an entrepreneur, Mike Achera, who not only designed and uh, his uh, product, but has it assembled here in a, uh, America, and in the process also helps um, uh, you know, uh, people uh, with uh, uh, learning disabilities, etc. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Well, it's good for you. Before, let's start with what we usually do with our guests. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, I know your wife, Heather, who can't be with us today, um, worked this together. But tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and how you, you, you started out and produced this uh, product, which we'll discuss. I'll keep my long story short. So um, my wife and I, even before we got married, we had a, a, a love for um, architecture. We, we uh, had our courtship in Chicago, and that's the home of Frank Lloyd Wright, the architect. And we used to go up to Wisconsin on campouts and go look at Frank Lloyd Wright's you know, home and studio up in Taliesin. And we just loved his architecture and that whole era, the early 20th century. And, and as our marriage grew and we had kids, we, uh, we learned that uh, both Frank Lloyd Wright and another great American original, Buckminster Fuller, who I was really into, I'm, I'm an artist by training, and my wife is an HR executive, but Buckminster Fuller and Frank Lloyd Wright both claimed, and even Einstein, they all claimed that their, their earliest childhood experiences were the most formative experiences of their lives because they experienced um, kindergarten, and it was the original kindergarten, the Froebel kindergarten. And Froebel was a 19th century um, scientist who was a friend of Maria Montessori, and he studied crystals uh, like you know diamonds, minerals. And he wanted to create a special school where if he thought if kids can uh, see specially shaped toys that are designed by, with nature's principles and nature's shapes, something will happen to these kids and we'll have unpredictable results. We'll create new geniuses of the age we couldn't have predicted, you know, geniuses. And so he had a very, it was a very progressive idea of education, and it worked. And all these geniuses were coming out of France and Germany and the United States, and we're like, where, where are these little geniuses coming from? And most of them were saying, I think it happened when I was in that kindergarten class. So my wife and I said, geez, you know, as our marriage grew, we said, what if we try to make a, a, a block you know, because Froebel was, was a scientist in the 19th century. I said, and he was using the best scientific 
knowledge available to him to make these toys. I said, what if we looked at the 20th century with Einstein and fractal geometry and all the beautiful, the DNA structure, all the beautiful things we've learned, and try to put those things into the new 21st century block. And that's exactly what we did. It sounds, but, you know, that, that took, once we decided to do that, it took five years. And we bought a, a 3D printer. We hired a 15-year-old German kid from across the street who knew AutoCAD. And I, I would draw him these crazy drawings, and he'd make them into computer drawings. And he'd email them back to me across the street, and I'd put them in my printer my printer would print out a prototype. We went through 4,000 hours in the printer, 4,000 work hours, thousands of blocks, tons of focus groups with kids, adults, teachers, scientists. And then we enlisted an army of neighborhood kids to come over and work in our garage and tear apart toys and seashells and branches, all in an effort to try to create nature's block. It sounds really corny, but in, in four years, we pretty much figured it out. And then we went to market. We even had our first boxes packaged and assembled in a makeshift factory in a, in a forest in, in Illinois, mostly kids being paid with pizza and toys until we, we, moved, the, we moved manufacturing over to um, Bridgeway, which, which trains the handicapped. And we went into a okay, toy fair. Mike, let, uh, Mike, Mike let, let me interrupt you right here. Let's, go, yep. let's give it so our audience understands what's going on. First, tell us about your, your product and, and uh, how it works. Okay. What it ended up being was, it's a snapping block. I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about a visual thing on the radio, but imagine a square-shaped snapping block. We, we patented was the hinge. When you snap the edges of this block together, they snap into a hinge, and this hinge will rotate at 240 degrees. And they're all the same exact block, but what that block will do is it will not only make moving things, but it'll imitate, like if you had sheet metal, you can fabricate any structure. So instead of brick laying like Lego blocks or bricks, you're actually fabricating like an airplane engineer would or an architect. You're actually covering things in their surface, and you're getting your structure from the tension in the surface like an airplane wing and not a solid object like a brick or a block. And that's kind of a revolution in toy design. And so that's what we sell, are these things called Lux Blocks. And what's it called? Lux Blocks, L U X. B L O X. Okay, so now you have a, you had a, 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 a revolutionary idea. You, you assembled your first prototypes. What happened then? We 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 had a we we first you know we wanted to make sure it wasn't just a creature of the printer, the 3D printer. Like maybe it wouldn't work in a mold because you can't really make money with printed parts unless you're making somebody's hip bone. You have to make lots of cheap parts and widgets. So before we invested in a $30,000 steel mold, we we invested in that had 32 cavities. We we invested in one single shot mold that would be a throwaway mold just to test the product out, just to see that if it would come out of the mold, it would do the same magic that the printed part, uh, things did. And it did, and we brought these products to a, a, a trade show in Charlotte, North Carolina, at, called the Astra Show, American Specialty Toy Retail Association. And it's a show with about 1,000 vendors, and, you know, uh, it's a pretty big show. And uh, we went there, and we set up our prototypes. It was all prototypes, prototype boxes that cost us $67 each. Each block cost us $0.67 cents each because these are just, these are just one-offs. The boxes are one-offs. So everything, but it looked nice. We had $10,000 of orders in two days, and these were faraway orders. These are orders in, made in June for September. So we're like, holy cow, we better buy a real mold and go to town. So we, we, bought, we bought the mold, and we made our product. And, uh, uh, go on. Keep, uh, keep going. 
So, so yeah, now so you. We, we found, uh, our goal was to get in store. We had we had about 150 orders. Uh, we've got ourselves in the stores last fourth quarter. We were in stores in October, and our goal was the first year to get into 300 stores and get into Barnes and Noble. That was our goal to get into Barnes and Noble. In 11 months, we were in Barnes and Noble in 450 of their stores, and we were in about another 400 brick and mortar stores. So we met our we hmm. met our goals, and now we are in the process of. Uh, looking now that I've been to like 12 trade shows, I have uh, you know got the feedback from tons of retailers and my sales reps. We hired five sales reps firms across the country to re- represent us. And now that I've got all this feedback, we're going back to redesigning the box to make it more communicative. Um, we're adding some more colors. We're adding a few more lines. We've changed our pricing structure. Um, so yeah, and we've learned a lot more about cash flow. And uh, so, yeah, so it's a learning curve. It's a huge learning curve, and you kind of learn as you grow. But uh, um, are your parts a little confusing? Earlier we talk, you said you uh, – are your parts plastic or wood? We have in the box – our block, our patented block, is a, um, it's a plastic block. It's, a, it's made in a, in a two-cavity, you know, a 32-cavity, two-part mold. So it's a block, just the same plastic as Lego plastic. It's ABS plastic. But it has in it um, wood dowels. I was a big Tinker Toy fan as a kid. So uh, we call these the accessories. And in the box are popsicle sticks and dowel rods and straws because you can add to it. We have a philosophy in our company that's different than Lego in the sense that Lego has a monopoly in which you could put in a Lego block, specialized little holes and adapters and things. Ours, we have in the middle of our block this star hole, and it was, I used to be a school teacher. That hole was designed to be able to fit perfectly two popsicle sticks as, as um, struts. Popsicle sticks are like the cheapest uh, item in the market. They're like less than a penny each, and school teachers have buckets of popsicle sticks. So we wanted to make a block that would be very friendly to a teacher in her classroom, and she could really expand the kit for almost no money, because that's a big problem with construction blocks, is they can be expensive, and teachers have no money. So that's what we put in the box, and we had specially made dowels that are made from the Chicago Dowel Company uh, with Wisconsin Birch that perfectly fit into our blocks as well. So in the box comes wooden birch dowels as well as the plastic blocks. Well, you, you mentioned your pricing structure. Uh, how How is it now, and what are you changing? Well, uh, we um, – this is like insider baseball now. We uh, – our, our, we, you know, you aim at, we weren't toy people, so we were coming at this, um, this wasn't even invented to be a toy, but to be a kind of learning uh, tool, you know, uh, and a construction tool. So we were new to the toy industry, and we looked at the different shelves, and we, and we looked at Barnes & Noble, we looked at what we called the top shelf, the black label boxes, and they were Lego's premium brand, They're called, it's called Lego Architecture, and that was a black label product, it was a black box, very elegant, and the other one was Nanoblock, made by Schiller, and it's a, that's a miniature Lego, but they're not Lego. Lego lost their patent years ago, so it's a, just a Lego knockoff, but it's a very elegant box. And they, they, both these products have pretty steep price points, and so we made a box that was very similar to theirs, okay, uh, the black label, very, we call it the perfume box, it's a beautiful box, and we have, uh, it's, but it's a bigger box than theirs, and also has more blocks. So we wanted, to, we wanted to create a better value, but a similar price mm-hmm. point, okay? So, and we were aiming at that shelf, and uh, that was our goal. Now, looking back, though, uh, some of the pushback from retailers was, I'm, we're learned, we learned that pretty much our economy is not doing so well, and uh, 
a lot, about 80% of retailers aren't in Silicon Valley type places where, and where people, where money is kind of easy. And we, they wanted price points that were lower, maybe a five or ten or fifteen dollar price point, even 24. Our, our starting price point was 29. So for 2017, we're bringing the price points down, and we're offering other products that are at the five or under price point, the 9.99 price point, and the 24.95 price point. Uh, so we learned about, you know, what the ceiling is, how high can you go and really expect to have sales that aren't just fourth quarter sales, like Christmas sales. And so it was it's because toy industry is very seasonal, it's very fickle, um, and it's hard to compete as a non-licensed product in the specialty retail space. You know, we, we're no, we don't license Star Wars or, or Harry Potter. You know, it's a general open-ended toy. Does that answer your question? Oh, oh, Mike, you're a magnificent uh, uh, guest. You're very clear and articulate. Uh, I happen to love your product. You sent me a sample, and I happen to love your product. I gave it. Um, uh, on the, uh, I watched a neighborhood kid uh, uh, take the take the box apart, and um, uh, and really go at it, and he uh, attracted two other. Uh, I'm old enough to be a grandfather, but uh, I watched them at it, and I said, this is a product that works. So uh, I was very impressed, and that's why you're on the program. Uh, are you there, Mike? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, but now, um, you, you know, you, you, you've talked about this. Um, and, and by the way, now let's talk about something else. Everything you do is here in the United States. Uh, tell us about that and how it's local, et cetera. I found that fascinating, and I don't think our audience would as well. Well, you have to understand something. We are, we're based in Galesburg, Illinois. So this is a town with a history. Uh, we were a railroad town formed in the 18th, 1837 from New Yorkers and New York abolitionists. And um, we became a big manufacturing um, town in the 20th century. And we had, we had the Maytag plant that made the refrigerators for the world here. And we had a Carhartt plant that made farmer's jackets for the, for the world. And in, after NAFTA, everything got mothballed or boarded up. And with this town, it's an industrial ghost town. And it was hard. It was really hard. And this is only, we're only talking, you know, a decade ago. So when we were going to open a business, a manufacturing business in town, there was no way we were going to try everything we could to headquarter it here and make our product as close to home as possible. I mean, it was just, it's in our, it's in our blood here. You know, there's a lot of, not just resentment, but just, you know, there's a lot of uh, hope still. That why the heck can't you make a product here, especially if it's a widget like ours is. I mean, for crying out loud, you, these are plastic blocks that go into a box. If Americans can't do that, we're in big, big trouble. And so we, the boxes are made in Milan, Illinois, which is one of the quad cities up in, near the, next, next to Iowa, it's on the border of Iowa and Illinois, right? Only 40 miles north of us. So where the boxes are made there, the, the dowel rods are milled in Chicago at a very old um, Italian-owned uh, beautiful plant, um, uh, the Chicago Dowel Company. They make furniture dowels, and they make our dowel rods from Wisconsin birch. Our blocks are made in Bloomington, Illinois, where um, Illinois University is. And our boxes are packaged by a nonprofit called Bridgeway that, that train the, the handicapped and people with special needs. And that's in, that's in uh, uh, Macomb, Illinois, where Western, University, Western Illinois University is. And, we're, and it's all, those are all around us. We're in Galesburg, Illinois, which we're the center location. And we're about 40 miles east of Peoria, where Caterpillar is um, headquartered. And we're in the Quad Cities is where John Deere is headquartered. So we're in an industrial corridor. 
with a lot of good, talented people here. Does that answer your question? Hmm. Oh, yes. I'd like to go back to Bridgeway for a moment because we've had them on the program. And uh, uh, obviously, they, they must do a good job for you. For you. Um, oh, but how do you ensure... Yeah. Can you t talk a little bit about that, about the quality, et cetera? Um, yeah, they're ISO rated. I mean, they, they have an ISO rating. So they are they're, they, they ensure and they, they come through with great quality. And um, they do many things besides what they do for us. I mean, they, they're one of the – they work for the tollways. Uh, they, they do – they work for NASA. If NASA has a jet engine they burned out on purpose uh, – they will have it taken apart in a million pieces, and the people at Bridgeway will, will shrink wrap every piece and label it for, for the NASA scientists to examine with microscopes. They do crazy things. They make a beautiful product themselves, these giant paper template um, maps of the universe and of uh, the stars. So they do, they do a lot of stuff. They do most of the packaging, a lot of packaging for, for Dick Blick, which is a big art uh, art um, store in the United States, and Dick Blick is headquartered in Highland Park, Illinois. But their big plant is down here in Galesburg. So Bridgeway is fantastic, and it's again, it's a nonprofit. And what they do for us as a small manufacturer, which is really interesting, is we're not we don't have to pay for like, for instance, um, warehousing inventory. Okay, we get one we get charged once, and we get charged when our product goes up the door when it's been sold, which is amazing. So. Um, so our cash flow is, is much better managed because they can do that for us. They can say, you're not going to pay for anything we've done until that. You're not going to get billed, not just paid, but billed until that product is actually bought by a customer, which for a manufacturer, a small manufacturer, is unbelievable, right? So our cash yes. flow is much better to manage. So that's one of the golden uh, carrots they, 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 they dangled in front of us, let alone the fact they do great work. Hmm. Well, uh, how did you find them? It was the the gods' luck. My father-in-law actually was a friend of somebody from Bridgeway, and they talked to my father-in-law and said, "We saw this product. We saw, saw this newspaper article. We would love to be their, you know, assembler and do their customer service because that's what they do. They they assemble. They do customer service. They do everything. They do almost everything. And um, so my father-in-law kind of made the um, meeting happen." And so it was great because we were literally in a barn. It was a nice barn in, uh, in the woods, and I was doing everything with these kids, and it was really hard, and I was about to have a nervous breakdown trying to package, deal with customers, send things out, UPS or mail. It was crazy because we were dealing with, you know, up towards of 100 stores or more at that point in time. So they came at the perfect time because I was about to, like, you know, not, not do so well. Do you expect to be profitable this year? My, our bookkeeper is, is funny because he is a CFO of a, of a pretty large corporation. So he does this for, um, for his own amusement. And he, does, he, he provides us with weekly P&L statements, which is wonderful. And our accountant also is an old train guy. He loves model trains. So he gets a big kick out of it. And he doesn't charge us either. He just... He just, you know, he does all our accounting for us, and he just loves the store, and he loves us, and so we've been so blessed that way. But they provide us with all the data, and if we didn't put out, and like I tell people, running this business is like looking at a big glass pipe, and I see so much money coming in from all these stores, but then I see that, that glass pipe, the money go right back out again because we're spending so much. You know, we spend a lot on uh, public relations. We, we spend a lot uh, working with these small retail stores. We send them tons of demos. So if we didn't 
spend so much, this, this business would be more than paying for itself by this point in time. And we're not a year old yet. But we, you, have to, you have to grow or die, you know. It's in a very competitive mm-hmm. field. The toy industry is very competitive. So it, this isn't a hobby business, you know. So making a profit wasn't as important for us as making a footprint in the marketplace. Even my IP lawyer, the one that made our patent, he said, I can make you all the patents in the world, but if people don't know your story and this product is yours, you, my, my job is, is, is um, a waste. So we've been make, doing a lot of making a lot of efforts to get out there and press the flesh and go to all these fairs and show people the product. And so it's expensive for me to travel around and do that. Well, um, Mike uh, Achera, uh, it's been a fascinating interview. Tell, tell the, um, the listeners again uh, where uh, your website and where they can get your product and the product name. It's called Lux Blocks, L-U-X-B-L-O-X. And if you go to uh, luxblocks.com, L-U-X-B, like Bravo, L-O-X.com, you can see our website and our product and our product videos, which are really fun, and learn all about it. Well, having seen and watched it and actually done, I can hardly, heartily endorse uh, Mike's product. It really uh, was a fascinating experience for our neighborhood kids. And it's not just a product oh, I want for kids, thank it's really amazing. It, it's, a, it's a good product for adults, too. It makes a great gift. Well, well, I, don't, well I have a cousin who came along, and he definitely f- fell into that, too. Uh, right. I, I just couldn't get on the ground with these kids. But you're right. <laughs> but, but, Mike, again, thank you. And I hope you'll come back next year and we'll talk more. I'd love to, Don. Thank you very much. Appreciate talking to you. No, we appreciate you. Okay, thanks, Dan. Our next guest uh, is Denise Blazovic. She's founding partner and CEO of the S3 Agency. Denise, did I pronounce your name right? And you welcome to perfectly. the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you uh, so much for having me. No, well, thank you. Um, uh, our, our guests, we first usually ask them a little bit about themselves personally before we get into anything else. So, Denise, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know your agency is in Boot, New Jersey, um, but outside of that, uh, that's all I know. Sure. So um, I founded this agency uh, in 2001 with my business partner, and um, we basically did not want to be driving to New York City every day. We love visiting it, and we're only about 30 miles outside of it, but it's hours a day of commuting time. So we founded S3 to be the New York agency in New Jersey, really offering very high-level advertising, public relations, and social media services for major clients. So our clients range from BMW of North America to Tetley T. And um, that quality of life of being able to not have to commute every day across the bridge or the tunnel uh, lets us be more inspired so that we can create what we believe to be better work for our clients and better results for them. And and they seem to agree. They stay with us a long time. So uh, we love Mm. that. And it's important to me. I'm a working mom. I've got a 10-year-old son at home. I love being able to spend time with him. Our team here, whether or not they have children, they have people in their lives and things they want to do, and they get to do that. Today's world, it's it's kind of hectic, and, and that time is very precious for all of us. Well, um, you're here because your agencies uh, uh, started a very interesting program. Uh, would you tell us about that? Um, sure thing. 
We, um, so when we uh, work with clients, we generally work with, as I mentioned, some very big-name clients, and, and people know their names. Um, and we sometimes feel pretty bad because there are smaller companies out there that we know could really benefit from our help uh, that really deserve to make it and, and we're inspired by, but they would not be able to afford us. And we've done some pro bono work in the past. In fact, we do quite a bit of it, um, including for uh, New Jersey's number one zoo, Turtleback Zoo. And we all find it to be very fulfilling when we can do work for companies that we know makes a difference for them um, and that they otherwise would not be able to do without us. Um, So as the agency's name is S3, we came up with a program called S3. And with S Free, we are opening our services up free of charge to smaller organizations that are either too new, too small, or too nonprofit to be able to afford us. And it's a very different way of doing something for us. It's so inspiring for our staff because we know we're going to be able to make a difference for some really great organizations that otherwise would never think to call us. And uh, we know we're going to be able to help them in ways that otherwise they wouldn't have access to. So obviously we can't do this for every single deserving company as much as we'd love to um, because then we wouldn't have a business. <laughs> we still have to be able to service our, our paying customers and uh, the customers that we're best known for. But we are going to pick one organization per quarter that we will provide our services free of charge for. So we have created a, a website. It's I Need S Free. Dot com and the different organizations can apply. Our first round is going to be done on September 30th, so they have about 10 days left. And then we'll review all of the applicants as a team here. We'll choose the one that we think is the best fit for our services and that we you know, can get behind the most, and, and we'll make it happen for them. And then we plan to do that again every quarter just to, to keep putting the good out there because doing good work is great and doing good is even better. Well, how how we, what are the criteria you use to choosing? Sure. Um, so the organizations that? have to be, we're starting locally, so organizations have to be located in New Jersey to qualify, and they have to uh, either have less than a million dollars worth of annual revenue or less than a million dollars worth of annual fundraising in order to qualify. And they have to be looking for the kinds of services we provide, so advertising and marketing services, maybe they need a website, a PR plan to promote a new product, some kind of branding, social media services, anything that falls into our wheelhouse is is up for grabs. Well, uh, like I say, when I read about it, I thought it was such a great um, opportunity that uh, we wanted you on the program to expand it um, both locally and nationally. So uh, we're glad they're here. Uh, here. So, since Thank we have you. a couple of minutes, uh, couple of minutes left, uh, let, let let me ask you a, a more a broader question. Uh, you're you, obviously uh, you've been in the business a while. Uh, what do you see the trends uh, for small business in advertising and promotion? Sure. You know, it's it's easy to say, oh, just do social media because it's free or, you know, do your own PR, just send press releases out, you know, because that way you don't have to pay for advertising. But, you know, really, if everyone's doing that, which everyone tries to do that, it means that nothing's getting through. So you have to be very strategic in looking what is right for you, which it's always been that. We just have more tools in our toolbox now, right? 
So we really have to look at um, what makes sense. It's not just having a Facebook page and therefore business comes to you, right? It doesn't work that way. And I think the the magic of thinking that hopefully is over, right? Because we have to look at everything as an opportunity and whether or not it's worth the investment. Social media can be fantastic. If you don't have something unique to offer and you don't know how to do it and you're not doing it regularly and responding to people – it's an enormous drain on your time and doesn't have the, the resources. So I, I think that um, people are getting smarter in small business about how to communicate, recognizing that rather than being overwhelmed by the, the vast number of choices we have to be out there and trying to fit into everything, I think people, businesses that are being successful are staking the claim on the marketing outlets that make the most sense for them. If they're going to be just doing PR all the time, they need to really do it right, not just put out a press release. They need to have people that know what they're doing and and do that for them. If they're going to do that and social media or do some advertising, they're putting together the mix. I think it's never been more important than it is now for small businesses to have a true advertising and marketing plan rather than going by the seat of their pants, truly identifying how much money they're going to put towards it, and whether they have to do it themselves or get professionals involved or a mixture of the two, figuring that out strategically because just, you know, going by the seat of your pants is no longer really the best option. Hmm. Very, very sound advice. Um, you, your um, website and how people can reach you? Sure. Our website is www.theS3agency.com. So the, like, you know, T-H-E. S letter S like Sam, number three, and agency.com. Okay. And if they wanted to talk to you, is there any way they can? Sure. They just call 973-257-5533. Okay. Uh, Denise, thank you. What, what we will hope is that you will come back uh, after you've picked your first the one uh, and bring them on the program and we'll talk more about this. I would love to do that. That sounds like a wonderful idea, Don. Thank you so much. Don't thank you for your efforts on behalf of uh, uh, nonprofits. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest.